0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I am your host, as usual, Andrew Baker, here with my co-host, as usual, Graham Mullen. Again, excited. Yes, it's starting to become a tradition for us to now discuss Browns wins. It's been
1: six of our last seven times, we've had the we've
0: been. Excited. I know it. I know it. Um, it's kind of crazy. Before we talk about the Browns winning or five to six, I have a couple things to say about the podcast. Number one, I am sick, so if I sound like crap, especially as the podcast goes on, I do apologize for that. Also. Uh, we do apologize for the last couple of times if we have had to do a mobile podcast or if the sound quality didn't sound right. Uh, we're recording back at our home base today, so it should sound a lot better for you guys. And it's coming a little bit late, but it's
1: the it's been the holidays, so I was out of town and I had to... That's right. Imagine. It was Christmas, you filthy animals. And Christmas got started on a right note for Browns fans where they came out and they played the Bengals again. And they did exactly what we were expecting them to do, and they beat the Bengals.
0: Well, last week on the podcast, I said could the Browns be double digit favorites for the first time in God knows how long? And they were nine and a half point favorites and they didn't cover. They won by eight. That's okay. They should have covered. Yeah. They, they kind of let the, the, you know, the foot off the gas. They they scared
1: Browns fans a little bit at the end of that game.
0: What were the things you saw Sunday? Well, we'll start with Baker Mayfield as we always, as we've had, I mean, we have to you, you exactly. It do you, you were going to say as we always do, but like, you know, with (laughs) the Browns, he's the by far most important player on the team now. And, you know, it's just exciting times. I really feel like the stadium was rocking Sunday. That felt like a playoff game. I, this is what I think. I really think that it was the last home game of the year against a yeah. bad team. The Browns were expected to beat, which is something that doesn't happen to the Browns. They're usually that team that is bad and expected to get beat. And I feel like Sunday was kind of a celebration of the beginning of a new era for the Browns for Browns football. And I, I don't think that's. It's hyperbole, but it's true. Baker Mayfield is literally ushering in a new era That Browns, Browns home
1: stadium now is actually a home field advantage. The Browns finished this year 5-2-1 at home. And right now,
0: they're 4-1-1 and one and one in the division. Or they're 3-1-1. One one. They f- yes, 3-1-1 one and one in
1: the With division. The win- if they win this last game against the Ravens, which we're not going to do a breakdown because the last week of the season, and yeah. it's just, you know, it's going to be a good game. It, it If the Browns were one win away from this being the primetime game, and which shows just how far the Browns have come this year, and – you know, the Browns could finish, like Andrew said, four, one and one in the division this year. That's something that even in that ten and six year in two in two thousand seven, the Browns didn't even do.
0: I'm gonna try and let you do most of the talking this podcast, Graham, because I know it's rare. You actually get to talk without me talking. I know it's it's a shocking event here on the tree. For those City who Sports didn't podcast. know, I was shocked. Um my voice sounds like crap. So I'm gonna mostly be setting you up here. Okay. Sunday, Baker Mayfield against the Bengals. What things did you see that were new or a continuation of things that are encouraging to you?
1: There's not stuff that I really saw as much that was new as stuff that is starting to become trends, both good, great things, good things, and I said both, but finally, there's some things that are, you still are hoping that Baker improves on going into the offseason. I'll start with that just because I want to end on a positive note. It's not a major thing. And there's, and there is, you always want to nitpick stuff even after a win, because if you get satisfied with something after a win, then that there's no room for improvement. And the Browns are not still, the Browns are not an elite team in the NFL. They still have room to improve. Despite all this winning that's been happening. I hope Browns fans realize it. It's not a finished product yet. The Browns are still a young team, but Baker still comes out of the gate a lot of the times. And he, isn't as crisp as he is he is as he gets later into the game it seems like he's someone that needs time to warm up and once he gets there he is almost unstoppable
0: a lot of overthrows earlier
1: this week yeah he's always really amped up which me and andrew talked about before the podcast i would rather you be amped up before a game and i'd rather you do that and miss the throws than have have no energy and come into the game flat because that type of energy is contagious as jarvis landry said at the beginning of the year that shit's contagious bro Baker Mayfield has an energy that affects everybody and makes everybody play hard. And which also made this Browns team so fun to watch since the firing of the offensive coordinator and the head coach who shall not be named. We're not doing it this podcast. Good,
0: good work. We're not good work.
1: But that, so that was the thing that I could see him to improve over this next year. I would like to see him come out of the gate a little bit better. That's a nitpicking thing. Good things are he's continue. He is making better decisions in terms of, not always going down the field with the ball. While he excels in that category, he does sometimes a little bit too aggressive and that can hurt the Browns coming in the next couple of years. If the Browns are playing for division titles and playing for playoff berths, those little things could be the difference between making a playoff berth and or winning a division and finishing right out of the playoff race.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, last week we discussed how, you know, he's got to start taking the check downs and hitting what's there against Denver. And a couple weeks before that, like you said, he was really trying to force the ball on the field, and he has that ability. We've seen some remarkable throws down the field by him, and that's yeah. an important ability. But we kind of said last week, like, he's got to start taking the checkdowns. Like, last week, there were guys open for checkdowns that he just wasn't seeing. And that's and we, where, we talked yeah. about going through his reads, going through the fourth and fifth options. And this week, against the Bengals, I think they actually made a lot of his – I don't know, maybe his reads simpler or maybe uh, there were shorter routes as the number one option. Uh, there were a lot, a lot of checkdowns and short passes this week. And after that first quarter, where like you said, he was a little amped up and kind of overthrowing people. He was just checking it down, taking what was there and just eating up eight to ten yards of time. And the Bengals really weren't able to stop it.
1: Because the Browns have to remember who some of their talented players are. And we saw a Duke Johnson sighting this week. He had six catches. and that We type said of- it was a lost season. He came back to life. Like those checkdowns are there for the Browns because they have those guys, and we saw David Njoku do it a couple of different times on checkdowns, and he won the game on basically on a checkdown where Baker Mayfield threw a pass in a tight window, completed it, and David Njoku ran out was outrunning cornerbacks and got down to like the five yard line and sealed the game for the Browns. So those things have become are good. Those things are things he has improved on, and I think that he's someone that is a tape fiend. He always goes in the next day and is watching stuff. He's smart. He understands that those things, those are things he has to correct, but he is a risk taker. And I've said before, you don't want a change maker. You just want him to be aware of, okay, I can make this big play, but it's a little risky right now. Let me look at the checkdowns where I have Nick Chubb, who's become an improved receiver out of the backfield, or I have Duke Johnson, who's an established receiver out of the backfield and has even li- lined about wide a couple of times last week and made a great back shoulder fade catch. And then you have David Njoku and Darren Fells who can make these catches. Darren Fells has been a surprising good tight end for the Browns as a number two. And those check down options are important because it keeps drives moving and it gives the Browns a chance on a first down or a second down and eight to go for it. Those deep throws are when Baker can be the most successful. So those things are where he's gotten good elite or great. The blitz man, like he's doing things that rookie most rookies when they face the blitz, they panic and they usually either get sacked or they run out of the pocket and make a stupid throw that gets intercepted or should have been intercepted. He was 10 of 12 against the blitz against the Bengals with a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating. That's what the scale goes up to, but he was perfect on that. That's some drew Brees level stuff that you've seen him do for 10 to 12 years. And Baker is doing it as a rookie. And along with that, gosh, his accuracy is unbelievable. His accuracy, especially on those sideline throws, which the Browns have become a big part of the Browns' offense, it's like he
0: never – he very rarely misses those throws. And when he does, it's barely. Yeah, I think those sideline throws go hand-in-hand hand with being elite against the Blitz because when he gets blitzed, even up the middle, which up the middle is often – the biggest cause for concern for a younger quarterbacks and B smaller quarterbacks, which he is both, which he is. He's like six, one on a good day. When he has gotten pressure up the middle or from anywhere, he Mm. has either a, you know, kind of, especially this week, hit his check downs this week, especially, or, you know, more often earlier in the year, escape from that pressure. And when he escapes from pressure, he's so dangerous. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's going left or right where the receiver is. He can throw it across his body where typically you say that that's an interception waiting to happen. But he's so accurate that oftentimes you know the defense thinks they have the guys down the field covered, and he throws in such a, such a small window on the sideline that the receiver is able to catch it, keep his feet in, and the defender just can't quite get there in time. I mean, some of the sideline throws he's made with velocity against his body have been really incredible. The spin he
1: has on the ball is absolutely amazing, and I think that's what gives him so much velocity because he has a good arm. He doesn't have an elite NFL arm. But the way that he whips that ball out of his hand, you see that ball spinning like crazy and it goes right where he wants it, which is rare for for not not just a rookie quarterback, but for many quarterbacks when it comes to those sideline throws. Because those are the toughest throws to make because you have to make a throw there where it's either my receiver catches this ball or no one catches this ball because the ones that get thrown a little bit more inside of the field, the ones that get thrown inside of the hash marks, those are what get intercepted when the receiver tries to go back for the ball and it gets deflected or the cornerbacks on their hip pocket and they see it and they pick it off. We he have, doesn't make those throws. We haven't
0: seen a lot of deflections uh, at, the, at the line of scrimmage for a short guy either. I mean, he's he's not tiny, but he's on the shorter side. He's, and we, he's 6'1 on a good day. So right. for a quarterback, that's that's small. Like yeah, He's not really that much bigger than Russell Wilson. We haven't seen a lot of the problems that smaller quarterbacks have had. But I also think that guys like Breeze and Wilson – Russell Wilson and Drew Brees have kind of shown, you know, how you can build an offense around a guy who's a little bit shorter. I think Baker also has a kind of a high release. He does. So I think that helps a lot. And he has a good background
1: and he has the background of just kind of being like a guy who can throw the ball at different arm angles. You've seen him do that on even short passes where he'll throw the ball. He's not Matt Staff, Matthew Stafford, who throws the ball at like 45 different angles, but he has, he's able to get the ball out. And that's big when it comes to someone who's six foot one, in his shoes on a good day when he wakes up that's able to see the defense or be able to anticipate where his guys are going to be and know the defense so that way he knows where he's going to throw the ball is going to be able to be caught. I think part of the tight windows thing is because sometimes he is a little bit smaller because he doesn't see those things immediately sometimes. He sees them well, but I think sometimes he's not able to see them maybe right at the split second that someone like a Ben Roethlisberger would at 6'5". Where, but he can still see them, and he had a couple throws this week where he was in the middle of the field while the pocket was collapsing on him, which you would think is a big issue for a smaller quarterback, delivers a dime while he's getting pressured. He isn't phased by pressure, and when he gets pressured, he either throws the ball at, away, because he actually does a pretty good job of that, or he throws it to tries to, to throw it to a tight window so it'll either be incomplete or it'll be a completion, or he escapes the pocket and he's not athletic but he is able to escape the pocket and find enough time to get it. He has great pocket mobility. He has some of the best pocket mobility I've seen from a young quarterback in the for the decade plus I've been watching football. It's, it's really amazing. And his,
0: his, uh, efficiency in the red zone is like otherworldly. I think that the efficiency in the red zone I think I I give a lot of that credit to Freddie Kitchens because – He does great play designs. Yeah, there's been a lot of creativity in the red zone. And the Browns are scoring almost every time a touchdown when they get in the red zone. And that's a sign of a really, really good offensive team. That's what the the great teams do is they score touchdowns, not just field goals. They don't turn it over in the red zone. The Browns have been elite in the red zone since Baker took over. There's no debate about that. And you've seen the games where they don't turn the ball over? they
1: usually they have won those games, the games where they've lost the Texans game and the chiefs game turnovers happen, And that's what's, or the Raiders game, those things are going to happen where you throw, if you have enough turnovers, doesn't matter how good your offense is. You can't overcome that because you're giving the other opposing offense, a short field and putting your defense in a bad position, but his aggressiveness and his ability to get outside the pocket and make these throws that are just on the money, whether it's the touchdown throw to Jarvis Landry against the Panthers or the touchdown throw to, Antonio Callaway, several times in the back of the end zone or on a slant route or the touchdown pass to Rashad Perriman against the Panthers. Like, or was it, was it the Panthers? No, the Broncos against the Broncos. Like you don't, or even the touchdown throw to David Njoku this past week, like those type of things in the red zone are so important because the red zone, the defense has the advantage in that area because they have to cover a lot less ground and you don't, and you have to be a lot more creative in the red zone especially passing wise to get those open windows. Cause those are not going to be there very often because those defenders are going to be a lot closer together. That creates a lot bigger risk, but Freddie kitchens and Baker Mayfield do a good job working in tandem of being able to study the defenses during the week and see where they are and then be able to exploit those weaknesses. And that's what, that's what being a good person against the blitz is. Baker knows where the blitz is coming from. So he knows where his options are going to be on the week on the side of the blitz, where the players are coming from. And he checks it down or he throws it. And he gets completion. We move the chains. You don't see that stuff very often. And that's why Browns fans feel like this is it. All this time, we finally got the quarterback we needed. It's it's really a sight. It's really amazing to watch the Browns right now. Just feeling you can go into a game and you have a quarterback that's not going to cost you the game. You feel like he can win you the
0: game. We're not going to talk about this right now. Greg Williams will not be the Browns head coach next year. I I said it. I said it. He's not going to be a coach next year. Agreed. And we're going to move on. Um, Baker Mayfield is two touchdowns away from tying the rookie record for touchdowns. That is with Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. And those guys did it in a full season. Baker has had uh, about two games games short of a full season. Yeah,
1: 13 and a half is what he'll have played. Um,
0: He's also going to be maybe having the best Browns completion percentage since Otto Graham. Yeah. Right now he's you know, Otto
1: Graham. No big deal. The best quarterback in Cleveland Browns history.
0: Yeah. Um, that's Otto yeah. Graham, not Baker Mayfield. Not no, yet. At least no, um, yeah, it only one. It's only been one year. And yet he may not win offensive rookie of the year because it's Saquon Barkley. I think it's a fascinating debate. <sighs> yeah. Saquon Barkley is the number two pick in the draft who is, plays for the Giants. He has, Almost 2,000 rushing and receiving yards combined. (laughs) And I think something along along the lines of 12 touchdowns. Yeah. He's averaging 4.9 yards a rush. With a bad offensive line. With a bad offensive line and And a a bad bad quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, Yeah. Um, He's been bottled up recently the last
1: couple weeks, which is why now this is even a discussion because Baker Mayfield has played the way he has. 24 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, completing 64.5% of your passes. Imagine if Baker had had a lot of those drops earlier in the year taken away. He'd be above 65 percent
0: so like you said baker has 24 touchdowns 11 picks tom brady has 25 touchdowns and 11 picks okay yards per attempt baker mayfield's at 7.5 tom brady's at 7.6 completion percentage baker's at 65 brady's at 66 they've been basically identical baker mayfield and tom brady statistically at least are the same player this year yeah and that's not indicative that Baker Mayfield's an MVP candidate or, or one he's of the best gonna players be in the, the nice NFL. Tom Brady. But, but and, and because Tom Brady's not having a Tom Brady like year, he's having a merely above average year. Yeah, he's getting old. He doesn't have a lot of talent around him. But it just goes to show you, you know, Tom Brady's a Pro Bowler this year, and there's not, you know, there's not a lot of debate about it. Yeah. So it just goes to show you that Baker Mayfield is now on par. With legitimately good NFL quarterbacks. Not just good for a rookie, legitimately good NFL quarterbacks. He's a top 15 I think, quarterback in the NFL. Already. I think if you think if you're looking at Saquon Barkley, he's been one of the five best running backs in the NFL this year. Yeah, without absolutely. A, without a doubt. Absolutely. And and I think it's it just basically comes down to what's your priority for offensive rookie of the year? Is it the guy having the best season or is it guy is it the guy having the biggest impact on his team? Because Saquon Barkley's having a better season. Yeah, I mean, two thousand all-purpose yards of, yes. is nothing to. Sn- he, he's been in. one of the absolute best running backs in the league. Baker Mayfield's been merely above average, but above average quarterback versus great running back. You know, I, I think the quarterback probably is a bigger impact than the team. But I'd say he's even just been better than above average. I'd say he's been good. he's been above average over the course of the year. He's been very yeah. good of late, at least. Mm-hmm. I will say that he's been good for about. Two it just It's just the debate comes down to. What do you think the criteria are for offensive rookie of the year? Basically, do you think this week seventeen game against the Browns? If Baker, against may, Ravens, if Baker Mayfield has four touchdowns this week, sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering. Like, is this week could this week determine the rookie of the year race? Because the last, like I said, the last few weeks Saquon's been bottled up because people are like, oh, well Eli can't throw the ball, we're just going to stop Saquon, and they have been able to do that successfully. And because of that, they haven't been able to win games. Whereas Baker against the Broncos at 188 passing yards, we still won the game because he made key throws at the right time. And he's, been, he has been good in clutch situations. He's been able to keep the, but then again, the Browns have also been doing a good job of keeping the lead with the, and not having to put him in a lot of really tight scenarios, but he has shown in those scenarios that he is able to do that. And I really think you could flip a coin between the two of them. I think if I, I had agree. to pick today, I would probably pick Saquon,
0: but I think I would too.
1: I th- it's so if close. Baker has a great game this week could change it. Yeah, it's so close. If Saquon has another subpar game to end the year, and Baker throws for three hundred yards and three touchdowns, then you, I think twenty-seven I think, touchdowns and eleven interceptions, completing like sixty-five percent of your passes. That's that's some crazy stuff. I don't think no rookie has ever been that good in terms of touchdown interception ratio.
0: I would agree. Um, I think we can safely say that either way, this will not be the biggest moment of either of their careers. No. Both of them are going to be studs for a long, long time. And think about it. I want and to, to think the
1: Browns almost had them both.
0: Yeah. Would have been crazy. I want to give you a chance to tell me how much you love two of your favorite players who you believed in more than anyone else. Jabril Peppers and Genard Avery both had big, big games this week. Go ahead and just talk about how much you enjoy them for a minute. And I'll I'm, just be quiet. I
1: mean, I've been talking up drill Peppers since the beginning of this year when I was like, look, last year, He played as a Graham is the number one believer in Jabril Peppers and look, from, from the jump, even last year and people. And when he made those comments before about Browns fans, don't like me because I went to Michigan. I'm not that guy. Well, he he started
0: playing better like that same week.
1: Yeah. There are Browns fans that are also Ohio state fans that are just never going to let that go. And he's because he went to Michigan and he's not Braylon Edwards. That's a very, very small minority. I know. And, but they are very loud and that's the problem. Because that's, and that's why Jabril yeah. Peppers felt like he had to say something because he felt like people were doing that to him. I, once he was drafted by the Browns, I don't care where he went to school. I want to know how good you were going to be for the Browns because I'm an NFL, much bigger Browns fan than I am an Ohio State fan. So that stuff doesn't matter to me at all. So Jabril Peppers played last year at free safety where we both said was a terrible fit for him. He is not a rangy guy that is able to sit 15, 20 yards back. That's also not his best skill set. This year, they got to Mary's Randall, and they're like, okay, you're going to play strong safety. You're going to play closer to the box. You're going to be a nickel and dime linebacker on occasion. You're going to guard running backs, and you're going to guard tight ends. Okay, and you're going to blitz sometimes, and you're going to get be there in the run game. Okay, that's perfect for him. He started out a little bit slow. He had a couple of no-shows at the beginning of the year. But from that moment where Andrew was saying where he got on Twitter and was just angry at Browns fans for not supporting him, and he felt like it was because he went to Michigan – He has been improving week by week by week. And he broke out against the Broncos where he had that sack and he had an interception and he was all over the field. I've been seeing this for the past month or two where he is starting to get smarter at anticipating coverage, anticipating routes and anticipating things like that. He's even going to Greg Williams and Blake Williams, Greg's son and the defensive coordinator right now, and giving them ideas. And Greg Williams loves that because he really likes Jabril Peppers. He was there when they drafted Jabril Peppers. He wanted him. Because he has worked with those type of guys in the past, like Mark Barron, when he was with the Rams, when they were the St. Louis Rams, that strong safety that's in the box that can play a linebacker spot, but is also athletic enough to cover. And be- let's be real. Joe Peppers, this is his first full year playing one position since probably, what, ever? Because yeah. he was the best athlete at, in high school. He played multiple positions, linebacker, running back, cornerback, safety in Michigan, he played safety. He played, he played linebacker. He played running back. He played running back. Last year he last played year, for free yep, safety. Yep. This year they're like, you're just going to be a strong safety. And he's like, okay, I can do that. And in one year of him just m- being able to work on that position, he has excel gotten better and better going from a below average safety at the beginning of the year to an average safety to an above average safety to now you could argue. He's one of the better strong safeties in at least the AFC, if not the NFL.
0: And Jannard Avery.
1: Jannard Avery, I mean, he's a rookie, so we but the fact that he fell to the fifth round, and I like and I and I watch the draft a lot and I look at the draft and I go over players. I was reading a lot and hearing that he should have been like a third round pick. And for some reason, he fell to the fifth round because he's not really a linebacker, because he's not quick enough to cover in space. And the Browns have seen that this year, where he, if they try to put him in space as a linebacker, he struggles because that's not his game. What is his game? Is he's undersized, he's but he's a great pass rusher. Pass rusher. Uh-huh. A lot, I've heard some people compare him to Elmas Duerville, and that's not a bad comparison. Like undersized, strong guy that's quick. He is fast enough to, at
0: the point. Well, he of went attack. to Memphis. That's probably why. Yeah, he ended and he was there.
1: a smaller guy, small school guy. I mean, not small school, but he went to a school that was a in a lesser conference. He was playing against lesser competition.
0: <clears throat> Let me clear my sickly throat here and read Eugene R. Avery's com- combine stats. So. He's 6'1", 250, which means he's a little short and a little chub to be a linebacker, <laughs> yeah. okay? So for a linebacker, what's, let's give some you know, just some background for those who don't know. What's a good 40-yard dash time you for, can run, for a linebacker? If you can run in the
1: 4.6 range, like mid-4.6s, that's a good linebacker
0: okay. spot. He ran a 4.59 at 250 pounds. That is what some okay. possession receivers run. What's a good vertical for a linebacker who's... For let's say a 250 pound guy. Probably like 36, 37 yeah, inches. Yeah, he had a 36 inch vertical and he did 26 bench press reps. So, so, he's so what that means is he has similar strength to a lot of legitimate defensive linemen and similar speed to a lot of legitimate linebackers. And his, man, his three And shows- clearly, like you said, he has a lot to work on in terms of being an all around linebacker, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be a starting linebacker for his career. I think he's going to be a backup end and linebacker who just harasses passers. I think all he's going to be someone that plays 60%
1: of snaps uh-huh. and isn't a maybe as a starter by nominally, but he isn't going to be a linebacker. He's not a true linebacker. If you do that, you're basically wasting his, his talent.
0: He's a guy you move around and just say, go tackle. Like quarterback. The ideal
1: situation for the Browns next year. And this is just without anybody out adding anybody right now is on base packages where you're running your four, three defense with three linebackers and four defensive linemen. He's not in the game. You have him, you have Ogba as a defensive end because Ogba is a great run stuffer and he's able to play the run well. And he's also a pretty decent pass rusher. He's like an above average pass rusher. Then in the nickel situation, you move Ogba or Garrett inside, whichever one you feel like has the better matchup. And you put Avery on the opposite side of the other guy because Avery is explosive. And because of his, how small he is, he's able to get his, his hands underneath people and he's able to move them. And he's very strong. He's able to move guys off the ball and he's fast. Avery, problems.
0: I think the thing that I love about Avery is that he's just when he's rushing the passer, he's just so aggressive, he is, and so fast, and he's explosive. He just looks like a maniac. Like his three cone
1: and his shuttle times, which are another which for what he is going to do, those are times that those are drills that uh talk more about short area speed and lateral quickness. He's not the greatest side to side, but you give him an area where he can be explosive in a short area.
0: He's going to win a lot of those battles. By the way, you mentioned moving Miles Garrett around. That play Sunday when they put him outside the right tackle was hilarious yeah, where he because just ran by him. He literally the right tackle couldn't even get off his his block fast enough to he touch Miles Garrett. Perfectly. It was just like, "There, he's
1: gone." So, like, being able to Myles having Garrett's that fun. chess piece like Miles Garrett to move around helps other players too because that gives Avery a chance to see the field and Avery can create havoc as a pass rusher
0: as a fifth round pick he was a steal
1: he is not going to be a star defensive end but he could be someone that's a seven eight sack a year type of guy for a number of years and be a very productive starter slash hybrid like guy coming out coming on as a sub fifth round guys sometimes you're going to find those crazy guys that end up being huge deals he is a steal I'm say I would say he's more of a B plus type player than an A player or a B player than an A player. But what he is good at, he is very good at. And his speed and his explosiveness and his power are his what can be are what can be his trump cards in the NFL. And he is going to be a productive pass rusher for the Browns for as long as he's here. And I really loved that pick in the fifth round. I mean, we we got into this draft. We got a starting quarterback, a starting cornerback. A starting running back, a starting wide receiver in a three wide receiver set at best at worst in Antonio Callaway and a very good rotation, potentially starting defensive end linebacker. And we and still Charlie know what Avery. we have with Corbett. Yeah. Who's going to play at some point. So we have five guys that have been major contributors from this draft class.
0: Another player that will be a potential contributor for the Browns going forward because we got a fifth round pick for him is Josh Gordon. Yeah. Um.
1: It sucks, man.
0: There's not a lot to say about Josh Gordon. For those who are unaware, you know, we've we talked about him before the year. He's the Browns receiver who, immensely, immensely talented. Seems like kind of a head case, um, for lack of a better seems term. Seems like a
1: nice guy that just has real issues. Yeah,
0: and Josh Gordon has failed another drug test and – Honestly, may never be in the NFL again. I don't think he will be because he's um, been suspended. Because before it was, a he was he was suspension. not bad for the Patriots this year. He was okay. No, he
1: was a good deep threat for them, and yeah. that's really going to be an issue because they didn't have that many weapons to begin with. Yeah. With Rob Gronkowski pretty much being a shell of himself, uh, he's not me. a very good safety. He either. costed me in my fantasy league. Yeah, but uh, anyway, no Josh Gordon. Yes, tell me about your fantasy team, please. I finished second. No, North I don't late. want to hear about it. But, uh, you know, it sucks. It sucks to see Josh Gordon. I think as a player, he made me angry because mm -hmm. he had such immense talent and he wasted it and kind of really wasted the Browns time because he got opportunity after opportunity
0: and And the Browns didn't replace him with a number one receiver over the years. Yeah.
1: And when we finally, and when we gave him that extra time to leave and come back, he left us, he left us again. The Browns
0: were very understanding of Josh Gordon, but at um, at a certain point
1: you have to pull the plug and they, I think
0: for me, the legacy of Josh Gordon is first of all, he had one of the most incredible seasons I've ever seen for a receiver in 2013. It was in it was he unbelievable. Had 1700 yards. Playing he had like in 14 almost games. 500 game yards in two games, yeah, back to back. And I, I just don't know. If terrible quarterbacks. I yeah, and I just don't know if we're ever going to see that again. He was. It's really a big he one. Was story he was incredible. He was incredible. And as a person, I hope he's. A, I hope he gets the help he needs, and I hope he is able to get rid of these yeah, just ho- hopefully he can find inner peace no matter what he does yeah i struggle to see him making it back to the nfl again i do too i think the patriots were probably his last chance if the he, patriots he had a, he, you, he had a security yeah. detail following at all times and you know i think I, when they got
1: time off i yeah. think that's when the stuff started happening and, he and i get it you know
0: addiction again. is nasty and i you know it hasn't been made public what he tested positive for before i mean before it was marijuana and. I believe that marijuana should be legal, and I believe that NFL players should be able to use it to help their bodies recover.
1: That's a whole other – and that's a whole other
0: subject. The issue is that he couldn't not do it when he wasn't allowed
1: to. And it was also his work ethic was an issue. Right. And I think think all of those things bled into what he was trying to do as a player. He seemed like he was a smart guy. I think if he had had his head on his shoulders, he could have been one of the best receivers in the modern NFL. I was
0: rooting for Josh Gordon even this year. I mean, I'm not a Patriots fan by any means.
1: I was rooting for him as a person because yeah. I never want to see a guy go through such for terrible sure. struggles. As a player, he fear, infuriated me because he had such promise and the Browns gave him so many chances only for him to basically say, OK, I'm I'm out of here. And, or basically just was – immature and he wasn't able to handle things and he needs to take time away from football and not worry about football and he's got a kid too he's got to worry about his
0: family and worry about what's best for him at this point i mean this non-sarcastically the best of luck to josh gordon and whatever the rest of his life entails um this is a big game for the browns this week despite the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs and they can't make the playoffs basically is a playoff game for them the pittsburgh steelers need the cleveland browns to win this week and there's a legitimate chance they might do it and this is a whole nother world that I don't think Steelers fans are really ready to root for the Browns. Oh, they're trying I think to. and the thing is the crazy thing is so the Browns play at the Ravens this week. If the Ravens win and beat the Browns they're in the playoffs. Yep. If they lose and and the Steelers win their game, the Steelers will go to the playoffs. The Ravens are a good team. They're one of the absolute what? three best defenses in the NFL. Yeah. The Browns got the Browns had to really grind out They have the last a, they have a not only a great rushing defense, a great uh res- passing defense as well. They're a great all-around defense. Yeah. And I think and they have new wrinkles in and their offense now with we, Lamar Jackson. We've talked about the Browns this year. They have beat bad teams at home, decent teams at home, decent teams on the road. The Browns have not really beat a good team on the road this yeah, year. They've been killed. Or by even I was going to say, or even get that close. Really, they've gotten killed by three teams that are going to be in the playoffs. I think the Browns are on the Ravens level at this point. I think so too. And you know, I think anytime a team has to win a game to get to the playoffs, that gives them a little bit extra, and that's what the Ravens are going to have this week. But I think if I think if you're a Steelers fan watching this game, let's say Baker Mayfield tears it up and the Browns win, I think you're happy that the Browns have created a path for you to the playoffs. But terrified long term. Yes. And the Steelers will and Steelers fans who have had <gasps> it's like what, twenty years of just beating, beating up, up on, on the Browns, Browns. And if Baker Mayfield goes in there and beats the Ravens to get them to the playoffs, you could almost look at it as a last hurrah for the Steelers because Holmesburger might retire right there. <laughs> because you know he's the only thing that's left keeping the Steelers at
1: over the Browns, I think the if, Browns are coming. If because ba- if Baker and, and next year, play, next yeah, year, even if Ben comes back, they're going to be challenging them. And if Ben retires, he's getting old. Oh, yeah, that's 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 going to be some.
0: That's going to be a pill. I don't even, think Steeler Ravens. Can I mean, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. I don't know if anyone knows what he'll become as an NFL quarterback. And their defense is getting older. Yeah, I mean, their offense is going to be the more challenge. I think yeah. the, their offense is going to be the bigger
1: X factor against the Browns because it's going to be a fascinating game either way. How, I mean, the Browns, I mean, Browns it's, haven't it's, faced a quarterback is, like yeah. him. They face Deshaun Watson is a mobile quarterback, but they haven't faced a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yep. who can is probably the
0: most athletic guy on the field. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it to me before the podcast, the Browns have the CBS a crew for announcers for this. Yeah. Game. We have Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And that's, you know, that's partly because it's week 17 and there's not a lot of huge games, but it's partly because Browns are legitimately exciting team that people want to see. Yeah, We get, to, um, that's very rare. We get the a the top quarterback in the draft. Justin Herbert from Oregon is going back to school. He's an idiot. Well, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, I, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of quarterback needy teams at the top of this draft because, of Giants. course, generally the teams that need a quarterback are the bad teams. and Jaguars. And they're desperate for a quarterback. And the best one in this draft is not coming out. And yeah. I think as a Browns fan to sit here and not have to worry about Thank which quarterbacks God. are coming out, is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Justin Herbert in last year's class probably would have been
1: the third or fourth quarterback. Because he's not on the level of Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold Sam as a Darnold, prospect. Sam Darnold, by the way, having a really la- good yeah. last
0: couple of games. He's starting to show that he's got a lot
1: of potential. On a prospect's level, though, the only person he was probably higher than was probably Josh Allen and uh, Mar Jackson.
0: Yeah, because Baker Mayfield was a better prospect than he was. Josh Rosen was a better prospect than he was. Hey, Sam you know, Darnold what? was a better prospect. One thing that people don't seem to understand is that Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield can both be good and both be good picks. Yeah, it seems like everyone wants one of the other to fail just so the other one team can be right. I but mean, I want Baker to be better. Saquon Barkley me. can be good. Sam Darnold can be good. Baker Mayfield can be good. Bradley Chubb and Denzel Ward can be good. Right now, it's okay. Like, it's top ten of this. Draft I just class want to tell. I just want to crazy. tell people it's okay. You don't have to. It's okay. These guys can all be good. I think Browns. Just because Baker Mayfield's good doesn't mean that Sam Darnold has to suck. It I think, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I think Browns fans just get upset because
1: Jets fans are like, oh, Sam Darnold might be better than Baker Mayfield. Well, he's and people not. are like, he's. And we're he like, but be. he's not. He could be. But right but he's now, not. he's not. Right. And they were both
0: good picks, I think.
1: Yeah. And I and think. So, Saquon Barkley's whole other subject because the Giants don't have a quarterback. But. I think for the situations they went to, I think for the Browns, Baker Mayfield was the perfect quarterback for them because he has that
0: attitude that the Browns fans and the Browns organization sorely needed. The Browns have been a punching bag for 20 years. And Baker Mayfield, again, this is some hyperbole, but it's also true. He had to earn his spot as a walk on Oklahoma. Texas Tech. At Texas Tech. Then as a walk on Oklahoma. Yes. So he walked on two different places. You know, there's the whole thing about how he's short. I don't know how much that matters. And the only person that beat him out is
1: probably the guy that's going to win the MVP in Pat Mahomes.
0: Okay. So the point is here – that you're making is the personalities match up so well. Yes, the Browns absolutely. have been bad for a long time. And there's a lot of Browns fans that don't want to be good now. They want to be good and they want to rub your face in it. Yeah. And that's what Baker Mayfield does. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the Browns are drafting between 15 and 19. That's that's kind of crazy they're that low. Yeah. But that's still a chance to get an impact player. They'll either get a defensive tackle. Or I trust John Seager. Dorsey. Yeah, John Dorsey, yeah. he whiffed
1: on the Chad Thomas pick to this point, and we don't know with Austin Corbett. Yeah. He, I think he's talented, but he's in a unique situation where the Browns have three really good interior offensive linemen, and he's not a tackle. So that'll be a bridge we come across later in the year.
0: Yeah. But, um, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, the Browns,
0: we'll I, I have, well, do trust John Dorsey. Yeah, me too. We'll have more Browns next week after this big game against the Ravens. We'll see what happens. Um, we, all, we might actually have a Sunday or Monday podcast next week. That could actually happen. Yeah. Um, no Christmas next week. Merry no. Christmas, to everybody! Yeah, we sincerely appreciate uh, all of our listeners. That's a great gift you give us for Christmas is listening to our podcast or five stars. He can give us five stars. Yeah, give us Christmas. five stars. If you leave us four stars, you're a bum. Anyways, we'll have more Browns next week. We're gonna have some more Cavs eventually. They're just kind of boring right now because they suck. But we'll have things to talk about. Colin section blows. Anyways, um, <laughs> Red and Blue is also up right now. Uh, yep. Premier League update. And until next week, we will talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace.